All right. So this book says we have three major ways of handling feelings, suppression, expression, and escape. So I'm trying to look and see which one I do. Suppression and repression. These are the most common ways in which we push feelings down and put them aside. In repression, this happens unconsciously. In suppression, it happens consciously. We don't want to be bothered by feelings, and besides, we don't know what else to do with them. We sort of suffer through them and try to keep functioning as best as we can. That sounds like me. <laughs> you know, that was like me pretty much throughout uh, my childhood and, and growing up and such, because part of it was I didn't feel like I had much of a thing to really say, and I you know, I consider myself a fairly sensitive ind individual. And so I feel things a lot more deeply. And, you know, especially when it comes to like, you know, dating and romantic situations and such. And so, you know, I would do things that I didn't feel like were reciprocated back, you know, and, and on the same level and such like that. And so I just kind of just buried them and stuff because it didn't really, it didn't really feel like it, it mattered. Yeah, that's sad, isn't it? Yeah, I think a lot of that is like our inherited Puritan, Victorian, England type uh, culture where it's bad to express your feelings. And so you've got to ignore them or you've got to push them down. And that's noble. That's that's like a noble pursuit. And uh, it really is just harmful. And it does the opposite of what we want it to do. Yeah, and, and that's totally the endure to the end philosophy yeah. that we were taught in the mm -hmm. church is just suppress your feelings now because it will all be wonderful later. At least that's what we're it, telling you. Yeah. Oh, it's all worth like it in the end. I feel like that's to an extent it's to, cause I was talking to somebody else about this after this it's in the, with my son and it was who benefits from that? The bully, the yeah. bully, the perpetrator, that is who benefits the person who did the wrong is the only one who benefits from us suppressing it and from us not not allowing us to go, hey, I feel this way, I wanna do something about it or I wanna, out of this, this uncomfortable situation, I need to address it. To me, it was just mind boggling, like, oh my gosh, the person who puts these patterns in place are not a healthy person. They are the bully. They are the perpetrator. It is the church not wanting challenge. It is the the bishop not wanting challenged. It's the priesthood. You know, it's it's the it's the whatever not wanting to be challenged or told that what they're doing is not to the best interest of me as an individual or us as a whole. And uh, and that was interesting to me to just realize that it's it doesn't it, it's not us who who said it, and we're not taught it. Most of us as we grow up, we're not. You know, so this is something that we go years and years of being told, you know, man up, buck up, get over it. Anyway. I was just going to say real quickly, and then I'm going to go on mute for, okay. and maybe just disappear, but oh. endure to the end is not a friendly message um, because it, you know, this life is to be more than simply endured and endure to the end is, it's kind of a, uh, I don't know how to really articulate it, but it's, it's not thriving. It's just suffering through. It's like God wants you to suffer in this life. So just endure it. Mm -hmm. But that's just such a narrow-minded, kind of a vengeful God that just doesn't see, you know, goodness in the moment. Right. And it prevents growth. 
I mean, honestly, saying that you have to endure prevents you from trying to get out of it. There is no growth if you're enduring. Yeah. Okay. So here's the thought that I had. Given past events that happened this week at the Capitol building with the riots and everything, they were not suppressing, definitely. They were expressing. So there's got to be a healthy, I mean, there's got to be some rules around expressing our feelings, right? I'm sure the book is going to get into that later. Yeah. Not suppressing and repressing doesn't mean that you, I don't know, uh, elevate it to something that it's not. And definitely isn't elevating it to something that affects other people physically. I I, I don't think that's where it needs to go. Because when you really accept your feelings and really accept how you're feeling, then that diffuses it. That doesn't stoke it up. You know, not not if you do it honestly. Agreed. And you're coming to it from a, a stable point of view versus a violent point of view. It's I think it's similar to what we talked about earlier about contention and having honest discussions versus contention. You know, and I feel like if you come to that that stable place, you would be doing healthy things to still include in, in I mean, if things need improved in our nation and politically, which I think they do, um, I don't think that was the right way, but but do it in a way that is powerful and strong, not negating your voice through the violence that's included with it. Yeah, and true. And they were they were blaming, they weren't really a, taking ownership of their own feelings. They were blaming someone else, really. Mm-hmm. Rather than having a discussion and trying to work through that. Okay, really quick. We got I gotta welcome slash celebrate the our new name Esther here. Welcome, new name Esther. Hey, how are you? (laughs) Oh, good. Good. We're talking about letting go and suppressing and repressing our feelings versus acknowledging them and working through them. (laughs) There's somebody who doesn't repress anything. Yeah. (laughs) Wouldn't that be so great? Like, and it's socially acceptable for him to be able to do that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we're supposed to become as little children and really in some sense that's what we should be doing yeah Yeah, like we weren't born with this whole endure to the end suppress and repress mind think yeah i think to go along with the opposite end of the spectrum regarding suppression and repression you know to go along with the the expression part but as part of the expression yeah there's you know there's a crappy way of doing things and like i can think of in terms of sharing you know where i'm at with my beliefs and how it relates to the church um i can look at things that i've said and done that in hindsight weren't the best way and i was caught up in the moment both emotionally and just you know and feeling anger and such uh that i could have handled things better and so there's the opposite end of the spectrum where you know, there's a, a good way to handle things and there's a bad way to handle things. Right. I was just going to say, I find it interesting talking about this. Uh, I've followed how, what they've said about anger over their years. It used to be, well, you need to control your anger and suppress it and keep it down. And then they found, well, that's not healthy physically or mentally. So then they went to the opposite way, just let it out, you know, scream and holler and break stuff. But they found that actually raises your blood pressure and it's unhealthy. So there's this, this medium in there where you, you don't want to suppress it. That's unhealthy, but you don't want to let it just rage. It has to be a controlled release. And so I think that's kind of what we're all getting at, right? Is you don't want to suppress it. You want to express it, but you have to do it in a 
a non-harmful yeah. way. Yeah, for me, I think the way to accept your feelings is to sit there and to not do or say anything else. Usually, if you can, do it alone. And you just sit with it and you experience it fully. It doesn't mean that you do anything with it. It's just that you you accept it and you let it in right. and you don't react to it. That's That's important. You don't you, reacting to the feelings is not always the best way to go, but there's a difference between reacting to things and accepting them. Yeah. So the book says the pressure of suppressed feelings is later felt as irritability, mood swings, tension in the muscles of the neck and back, headaches, cramps, menstrual disorders, colitis, indigestion, insomnia, hypertension, allergies, and other somatic conditions. When we repress a feeling, it is because there is so much guilt and fear over the feeling that it is not even consciously felt at all. It becomes instantly thrust into the unconscious as soon as it threatens to emerge. That's so crazy. I just chalked it up to the fact that I did too much weights that morning. <laughs> <laughs> so can anybody relate to those things? I must have a lot of suppressed feelings. That's all I can say. No, it, it does affect your you physically what you what you experience emotionally that's for sure well I know for me like I've been for with what I shared about my weight loss and mental health things I've been wanting to get to where I'm at right now for years and years and years and being able to let go of those feelings work through them and let go of them and see like I said that there's worth and value I am amazed at how easy this has been after dealing with and letting go of those feelings of of unworthiness or just these unhealthy behaviors to try to people please and get approval, letting go of them like this. I've never had it be this easy to lose weight or to feel happy. And, and it's, it's a huge shift. Yeah. I think it's like ruminating, you know, you ruminate on something and you, because you've tapped it down and you, and you, you mull it over and over and over. And, and that prolonged agony is so much worse than just really accepting it and letting it be there. The, the, the shelf life of that is just so much shorter than if you uh, tamp it down and it stays with you for a long time. So it's, instead of accepting, you keep it <laughs> and you hold on to it. Suppression is a tea kettle. I mean, has energy mm -hmm. to it. And if you only suppress it, then you have within you a pressure cooker that will blow up. And what that blow up looks like is what you just saw on the prior slide. How it's gonna manifest itself is going to be different in every single situation because the unconscious will find a way to vent. It's like volcanic vents from the earth. The energy will get out, the energy will escape. And so if you suppress it, then you are creating your own um, pressure bomb of misery in your life. And if you just let it go, which means you allow it to be, and you don't have judgment about it, good or bad, but you just observe it, allow it, sit with it, let it go. There, the, the, the pressure doesn't build up and, and you're not going to have a negative explosion in your life. So my issue with that, that I, that I struggle with personally is, for me, because of the, the way my PTSD is built, is sitting with it, I tend to take the original thought and it amplifies rather than me being able to, like sometimes I can identify and diffuse, but frequently the way that I 
work through it is vocally. Like I need someone to say, okay, here, this is what happened. Can you hear me out? And I explain the situation, me vocalizing it and having somebody else there, I'm able to see it clearly. And it's hard to find people that are willing to give you that space to say, hey, I just, I really need to say this. Can you hear me out? Okay, good. I grasped it. I figured it out and I'm done. And it only takes 10 or 15 minutes, but so many people are unwilling to they, they, they are scared by it. They're scared by you sharing it. And so finding somebody willing to give that space is very difficult outside of like a counselor. Yeah, and I don't think it needs to look any particular way. So if, if for you to let go requires a conversation, then, then that's okay. You know, zero judgment. Like here's an interesting idea. I hadn't thought about it until we, you just brought that up, but you could have the conversation also with yourself. Like we're all having conversations all the time. Like the, the, the crazy ones are the ones that do it out loud. Right. But we're yeah. all, there's, there's a conversation going on in our head and, and the, the ego is the part that doesn't want to let go. And the self is the part that, that wants to let go. And so I'm not saying this is the solution, um, but you might try it on for size and see, if you just allow yourself to have that dialogue, maybe that is a way to let go and, and like retrain your experience to not be dependent upon another because you don't always have another. With myself, I, I know I can even vocalizing it. You know, you sound crazy if you do it in front of other people, but if you, if you, you, maybe if you need to actually physically vocalize it, you can talk to yourself if you have a space to do that. When I was hiking earlier this summer daily, I actually, toward the end of the season, I did find myself doing that about, because you're out by yourself, nobody can hear you. I could yell mm -hmm. and scream and nobody could hear me. And I'd get home going, okay, can I go on my hike yet? Has a, and it, it, it just hadn't occurred to me. That's what I was doing. Hey, will somebody read this next slide? I feel like I'm I feel like I'm back in Sunday school. <laughs> Who will read the next scripture from I'll read it, teacher. <laughs> okay, thank you, Shablon. Denial results in major emotional and maturational blocks. It is usually accompanied by the mechanism of projection. Because of guilt and fear, we repress the impulse of feeling and we deny its presence within us. Instead of feeling it, we project it onto the world and those around us. We experience the feeling as if it belonged to them. They then become the enemy and the mind searches for and finds justification to reinforce the projection. Blame is placed on people, places, institutions, food, climatic conditions, astrological events, social conditions, fate, God, luck, the devil, foreigners, ethnic groups, political rivals, and other things outside of ourselves. Man, that's applicable. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, don't you know people that are like that? They're always angry at someone else. Yeah, we were talking about the capital thing. I mean, maybe a lot of that is projection. Yeah, I think so. All right, how about the next slide? Anybody? I'll do it. Projection is the main mechanism in use by the world today. It accounts for all wars, strife, and civil disorder. Hating the enemy is even encouraged in order to become a good citizen. We maintain our own self-esteem at the expense of others, and eventually this results in social breakdown. The mechanism of projection underlies all attack, violence, aggression, and every form of social destruction. 
Yeah, that goes along with what we were just talking about with the riots and stuff. And personally, I was in a relationship where I think the person used projection quite a bit because every time that person was feeling uh, worried or insecure about something that they had to do, immediately I got attacked about whatever he could make up to attack me with. So I think that's really true. It's a very useful tool that people in charge like to use to control people. Here's this enemy. And so they prey upon the the unresolved emotions of the people that they're talking to and and direct it towards an enemy that they can all unite against and attack, whether it's vocally or, or physically. What what kind of things, if you don't mind me asking Judith? What kind of things would he be insecure about? One particular example, um, my my son was going to be baptized and I think he had some social anxiety about actually performing the ritual and memorizing the, whatever it was that he had to do. Cause you have to say every single word exactly. Exactly. Correct, right. And yeah. you have to have witnesses to make sure. <laughs> exactly. And all the family would be there watching and all of that. Well, so he started attacking me. Like his shirt has a wrinkle. His, this is that. Why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do that? So it became, I'm a bad mom. And he just had this look of contempt and made the expressions in front of my son and everything like, ugh, ugh. and I, and looking back, I was, I can see now that he was trying to overshadow the feelings he was having at the time. I was just like, why are you ruining this day? What did I do? I mean, I just didn't understand. And then when he went to do the baptism, I think he missed up like three times and had to redo it, but it's only been you know, years later that I can look back and see that he's sort of projecting and helping himself feel better and bigger than by making me less than. And those feelings were real. I mean, uh, my brother baptized one of my sisters and he had to do it at least eight times. I think it might've been more than that. And there was so much, you could cut the, the tension with the knife. It was so terrible, so awful. And so those feelings are, they don't come in a vacuum. Well, if he had expressed them, honestly, I could have consoled him or come, you know what I mean? Like, oh yeah. unless you tell me how you're feeling, I can't help. But if you just go attack me, I'm just going to put up a wall and be defensive, you know? Yeah, but you're shamed for, you're shamed if you, if you feel any kind of weakness or express any kind of weakness. And I know in my home growing up, that was, the minute you showed weakness, the conversation was over. And that's something that I've discussed with my mom a lot is any kind of weakness or insecurity, the conversation is over and you're immediately told to buck up. And there's nothing quite as, I don't know, rejecting, shaming, whatever, as you finally express those feelings. Hey, I feel uncomfortable with this. I feel insecure about this. I need help with this. And then to have somebody say, well, buck up, you know? Yeah, that's so not healthy. All right, who wants to read the next one? Oh, it's kind of hard to read, isn't it? I'll read it. With this mechanism, the feeling is vented, verbalized, or stated in body language and acted out in endless group demonstrations. The expression of negative feelings allows just enough of the inner pressure to be let out so that the remainder can then be suppressed. Oh, that's interesting. This is a very important point to understand. For many people in society today, believing that expressing their feeling frees them from the feelings, the facts are to the contrary. The expression of a feeling first tends to propagate that feeling and give it greater energy. 
Second, the expression of the feeling merely allows the remainder to be suppressed out of awareness. Oh my gosh, that's awful. Yeah, that's kind of what uh, Marwana was talking about. You know, yeah. we, the expression is 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 unhealthy because it allows uh, at least a part of it to stay there and fester in it, and it fosters the feeling rather than allows it to dissipate. Isn't the idea expression without resolution, or is it? Because I feel like what we're talking about is expressing it. We whether are we talking about external? Because I feel like even accepting it with yourself is a form of expression, just not resolving yeah. it, dealing with it. Well, maybe he's talking about, you know, like the protests and the riots. There's that group mm -hmm. mentality that occurs when you kind of get caught up in the energy of the whole thing and do things that you wouldn't ordinarily do. Or say if you're mad at your spouse and start yelling and throwing things, it just feeds upon itself. And I mean, I haven't done that, by the way. <laughs> I just thought I'd clarify. Uh, well, it describes it as a mechanism. So that's action. You know, that's physicality. That's... Yeah. something external and we talked about you know how it's fine to perhaps talk to yourself verbally um and so i don't know if that's any different from this but this also reminded me of like my patriarchal blessing it says as you bear your testimony to others it will become stronger mm. so Maybe they knew that there was something to the idea of the more you do something, the more you say something, the more you're going to feel that feeling. Oh, especially if you do it in, in, in a group setting. Yes. You know, test and bath and testimony meeting. You're doing it to whole congregation. Social well, reinforcement. You get approval for it. You get huge approval for your testimony in your group. And, oh, if I express the same thing or feel the same thing that I'm accepted by the group. Right. And at a young age too, like yeah, I'm that's so, what I was gonna say. I'm so I'm so proud of you, Johnny, for making the decision to be baptized at eight years old. And that's why I really hate the the little kids who go up in fast and testimony meeting. I think there's something really nefarious about having these little kids say things that they have no real understanding of, and the reinforcement that that inflicts on their young little minds is just terrible. I think. Mm -hmm. I remember going to, oh gosh, I don't even know what it, exactly it was. It was some outdoor play. Oh, how old was I? I must have been like seven or eight. Yeah, right around there. And I remember going to it with my mom and sisters. But then, of course, like we had some other people from our ward there. I don't. I can't remember where this was at, but it was an outdoor kind of amphitheater style. And it was a play based on, I don't know if like who the central character was or if it was just, you know, because it had like pioneers in it and such. And I only remember snippets of, you know, because I can see like a barrel and, you know, early 1800s, you know, settings and such. And I don't know if this was a play on Joseph Smith or whatever. Anyways, I don't even recall what my action was, but I remember... The next morning, because this, this had to have been a Saturday, because the next morning going to church, one of the ladies that taught our primary class, she was there the night before with her kids. And I remember she told me, Shiblon, you know, whatever, like, I was so touched by your reaction to that. And, and here she is, like, cracking up in the classroom, you know, saying, you know, she was touched by my reaction as a child to, you know, to watching this. And it's like, 
you don't know any better. Like I could have had that same reaction watching Pocahontas for all I know. know? (laughs) That's probably true. Yeah. And the primary teachers would always, I don't know about yours, but they would like encourage the class that day to go up and bear their testimony. And I'd always feel such pressure. And I was a shy kid and I didn't want to go up, you know, and I didn't, but I always felt bad that I couldn't do that. Okay. Reese, are you there? Do you want to read the next one? Yeah. If we dump our negative feelings on others, they experience it as an attack, and they, in turn, are forced to suppress, express, or escape the feelings. Therefore, the expression of negativity results in deterioration and destruction of relationships. A far better alternative is to take responsibility for our own feelings and neutralize them. Then, only positive feelings remain to be expressed. Oh, that's totally what happened with the baptism incident. Mm. anybody else relate to this yeah i think there's a difference between perhaps dumping and uh needing to talk about them i don't i'm not quite sure what the difference is what do you guys think well i was thinking that you know okay so in the baptism example he had a negative feeling of being anxious or worried and instead of addressing that feeling he dumped that negative feeling in the form of criticism and attacking me. So, yeah, I don't know if that's a good example or not, but I think there's a difference. I think baby steps are probably like, especially in, in your ex's spot would you need another party. You need someone else to help because we don't naturally go to, Oh, well, let's, let's figure out our feelings or neutralize them or take, we, we don't understand even what's going on. So at my, at my work, I have a supervisor that every once in a while, I just am berated. I am berated from head to toe and it'll last for two or three days. And I've started to notice a pattern that it is when she is under immense pressure that instead of her, you know, dealing with it, she then in turn applies that same amount of pressure and, and micromanaging criticism on me. And I in turn at one time did the same then to the people that I supervised, which, which was horrible. Um, and I don't know that most of us coming at this the first time can do it alone though, whether that we talk to a counselor or we bring it to this group, like we did today to somehow resolve, why do I feel like my wife isn't listening to me? Like, like Jonah was saying, why do I feel like this is happening? And what, what is that deep feeling that goes at the bottom? And then when we find it, then we go and we make resolution with it. But I had a situation recently where I was expressing, you know, this desire, I'm going to take care of me instead of you. I mean, it was over Christmas and it was an innocuous event, but but it became this huge big deal. Be- and, and at the end of it, and, and he did feel attacked. Basically the end of it was he felt attacked because I said, well, I'm taking care of me and, and you need to take care of you. And this isn't my problem anymore. And, and some people can't hear that. And, and so um, anyway, I, I, I think we need to give each other, all of us forgiveness, either the person we're talking to or ourselves, if initially we just need assistance. But I, I do agree that the end result is take responsibility for your own feelings. Like I didn't like the way my it feels when my boss yells at me. Well, I need to resolve those rather than passing it on to the next the next layer of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, these are hard skills to learn. You know, it's called brutal honesty. Really, you know, really accepting how you feel and recognizing that instead of immediately passing it on. I feel like it's a double-edged blade 
because I feel like recognizing a lot of those feelings has really forced me into a lot of my isolation, coming to to terms with, you know, how emotionally compromised I can get and that I am dumping those emotions on others kind of just leads to further isolation and, and kind of makes the problem snowball sometimes. I still struggle with that to this day. Um, Just talking with my family about anything, but I do agree that like, you kind of have to own up to it. Well, and I think if you're, if you work toward like, like what was shared here where somebody suggested that I talk to myself because I do feel like I have a need to express it to other people to move on and grow. I think, I love that idea though, because I hadn't really had the, the full thought of, well, what if I can move to the point of self-actualization or self-recognition um, of what I need to say, which then, like the previous slides said, would leave me only with the good feelings or better feelings when I talk to my family. doesn't mean you ignore it, but talking to people and sharing those feelings, baby steps maybe, but then learn to wean yourself to be able to, to do it with yourself. Well, and there's a difference between dumping your feelings and expressing your feelings. You know, dumping implies like you're overwhelming them with them and expressing is just like acknowledging that you feel a certain way and maybe asking for help. 